Battles that will shape the future of Texas are forming now on ballots across the state. We need to change this broken system that we're living in. As candidates file to run in the March primary, we dig into the issues that could drive voters to the polls. After the impeachment trial, Attorney General Ken Paxton aims for political revenge, the steps he's taking now against members of his own party. From pageants to politics, a former Miss Texas is running for a seat in the Texas House. And I'm pulling back the curtain so that they can see exactly what that process looks like. How the titles and tiaras influenced her decision to pursue a path in government. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. Right now, the field is taking shape for the 2024 elections in Texas. There are just over two weeks left for candidates to file to be on the ballot, but already we're seeing some trends. Some incumbent Republicans will face primary challengers who aim to push the state farther to the right. And as Will Dupree shows us, part of this is being fueled by a push for political revenge. Attorney General Warren Kenneth Baxton Jr. is hereby at this moment, reinstated. Since the Senate cleared Ken Paxton to return to office, he's now rolling out endorsements to almost a dozen people so far to take down House Republicans who voted for his impeachment. Right now, he's at the height of his popularity and he's using that to try to shape the races going forward. Paxton set his sights close to home in Collin County. One of the four targets there is Representative Matt Shaheen. Paxton's not really relevant. I'm a conservative fighter that's been getting the job done. We've getting a lot of conservative wins across the goal line. He will face businessman Wayne Richard, who says the impeachment put him over the top to enter the primary. I can understand how our incumbents are hoping that the constituents forget about it, but they're not going to forget about it. To call this a political vote is to impugn the reputation of the of the senators who voted on it. One of Paxton's defense lawyers during the impeachment trial, Mitch Little, announced he's planning a primary challenge against a Republican incumbent. He'd like to unseat Representative Cronda Timish of Carrollton, who voted for impeachment. Little previously served as her campaign treasurer when she first ran for office. Paxton posted on social media encouraging Little to run. Republican voters will ultimately determine how much influence Paxton has when they head to the polls in less than four months. We've seen a trend of Republican incumbents facing challengers aiming to push the party further to the right. Meanwhile, some incumbent Democrats are facing challengers who want more progressive policies. That's the case in one Houston area district. As Will Dupree shows us, a Democratic incumbent known for supporting progressive causes now faces a primary challenge after a controversial vote. The Texas Capitol is more than 180 miles from this reliably Democratic House District in South Houston, which is set for a primary battle among progressive candidates. And here what we're seeing is a very, very liberal representative being challenged from further left because of some votes on very controversial issues that are important to Democratic constituents. Democrat Sean Theory has held this seat since 2017 and would now like to serve a fifth term. She's touting her record working across party lines on issues like maternal mortality and school security. It's not political for me, it's personal. However, she is taking criticism for a different part of her record. 
Thierry was only one of four Democrats who voted to support the ban on certain treatment options for transgender minors. She spoke on the House floor about this vote and talked to us previously about standing by her decision. I believe that the majority of people um, that live, work, and play in my district um, agree with me, and I heard from them. Theory's vote led to two people now wanting to unseat her. The latest challenger is union organizer Lauren Ashley Simmons. I want to be a representative for my district because I love where I live. I love my neighbors. Simmons is campaigning in part on expanding health care access, so that's why she's critical of Theory's vote and how it could affect parents with transgender children. In the immediate sense, I'm thinking, wow. These are families who are going to leave this state. And they live in a district where they should be safe. I don't feel represented, and many people don't feel represented. Activist Ashton Woods jumped into the primary in May, a day after Theory voted in favor of the trans health care law. The thing is, is that we will run our campaigns with integrity and make sure that Regardless of who wins this nomination, it won't be Sean Theory. Political experts foresee even just a single issue playing a bigger part in primaries next year on both sides of the aisle. Professor Emily Sidner points out how Republican candidates may face their own tests over Ken Paxton's impeachment, as well as the governor's push for education savings accounts. Raising this, this sort of hypothetical that the issue of school choice, school vouchers, public education, etc., could be one of the dividing distinctions between these different candidates. Will Dupree, State of Texas. We've told you in the past about Representative Theory's work on the issue of maternal health. This past session, she pushed through a bill to make improvements to the state's Maternal Mortality and Morbidity Review Committee. We reached out to Representative Theory for this story, but she declined our request for an interview. Are Texas lawmakers too liberal or too conservative? What new polls show us about how Texas voters view the people who represent them now? Will Ted Cruz hold on to his Senate seat? It's one of the big questions for Texas voters to decide. We're taking a closer look at the Democratic candidates hoping to challenge Cruz. And a former Miss Texas targets a longtime Republican state representative in next year's election. Why it's shaping up as a campaign pitting youth versus experience. Candidates are still filing to get on the ballot for the 2024 elections in Texas, but some developing trends are shaping the key battles you'll see on your ballot. We want to take a deeper dive now into the primary pool. Joining us is Jim Henson, the executive director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas. Welcome. Great to be back, Josh. Well, you did some interesting polling focused on Texas voters. First, with Democrats, you found there's clear division over whether elected Democrats are liberal enough. Yeah, I mean, we generally ask a question of both Democrats and Republicans about whether they think their Texas elected officials are liberal enough, too liberal, or you know, about right. We think of it as a Goldilocks question. And what we found is most Democrats, but not a lot, about a little more than 40%, say that the, their candidates are not liberal enough. Um, and that's very competitive with those that say they are, which is maybe 10 or so points fewer than that. And so you can see where the setup for ideological conflict in the primary comes from. You asked a similar question of Republican voters. How did they view their elected officials? Well, you know, the, the process of, of sorting voters into the parties by ideology has taken longer among Democrats than it, than it has among Republicans. So 
more Republicans think that the that the party is conservative enough, but you still see a very similar division, very even split between those who say conservative enough and and not conservative enough. And so again, that's where you see this conflict that we've all become so familiar with. So you found in your poll that Republicans want candidates to be more conservative. Democrats want more liberal candidates. Is there any indication of what's driving this push from each side away from the center? Well, this has been going on for a long time. I mean, as the parties have become more homogenous, if you will, all of the conservatives, for the most part, have left the Democratic Party. The liberals have left the Republican Party. And as I was saying before, this has taken longer among Democrats. As recently as the late 2000s, among Democrats, about half identified as moderate, and between 15 and 20% identified as conservative. Now, more than 60% identify as liberal, and those other two categories have shrunk dramatically, too. You've got fewer than 10% in the Democratic Party say that they're conservative. So the, the parties have become more defined, and voters you know, have followed suit. You know, we started the program talking about Ken Paxton's influence on the Republican primary. You've tracked his approval ratings for years. How popular is he with Republican voters right now? You know, right now he's about as popular as he's been through most of his statewide, statewide political career. Now you can look at that as half full or half empty given what the attorney general has been through in the last year and still has in front of him. So his job approval rating among Republicans is in the mid-60s. On one hand, seems pretty good for somebody that's under indictment and has been impeached. Um, on the other hand, you know, that's you know, 10 or 15 points lower than the highest-ranked Republicans and the, and the most, you know, sort of, and the, and the Republicans with the highest job approval ratings, people like Greg Abbott, Ted Cruz. From what you've seen, is his impeachment really a big uh, sticking point for any voters? Well, I think where it's really hurt him is among independents. Democrats have never been fans of Attorney General Paxton. His approval numbers among Republicans dipped a little during the impeachment difficulties. Um, you know, and I think where that leaves him as, is in a reasonably comfortable spot for somebody who's Attorney General. But I'm a little skeptical of the idea that now because he survived this, that he's somehow Trump-like and going to you know, stride the political landscape like a colossus. I don't see much evidence of that. His high point of influence will be in the primaries where, because he's most popular and gets the, most, the highest approval ratings among the most conservative voters, those are the voters that show up for, for primaries. We will see. The Texas Politics Project tracks top issues for voters. What are the main drivers this time around? Well, for Republicans, it's the same as it ever was. Immigration and border security dominate the, you know, the political priorities of Republicans. Among Democrats, um, also a very familiar story. No, no set of issues dominates Democratic concerns. When you ask them what's the most important problem in a Republican state, the majority, but not a big one, tend to say political corruption, the leadership. And like many other people in the country, that's followed by the economy and prices. And then a whole set of issues, gun safety, abortion, a couple others that are in single digits. All right. Well, we'll see what happens between now and then. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes. Jim Henson, Texas Politics Project. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome, Josh. Great to be here. 
Democrats set their sights on beating Ted Cruz in November, we look at the top candidates in the race and their message to voters. A former Miss Texas is running to be the first member of Gen Z state representative. How she's tapping into the youth vote to boost her campaign. The campaign for U.S. Senate will be one of the most watched races in next year's election. Several Democrats have announced plans to run in the primary to earn the chance to take on incumbent Ted Cruz. But three stand out because they currently hold elected offices. Our Ryan Chandler spoke to those three candidates to find out more about their message for Texas. Three Democrats running to take on Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has been one of, if not the most divisive senator in the entire country. Colin Allred, representing Dallas in Congress, is the leading fundraiser in the primary, hauling in $6 million since announcing in May, giving him more cash on hand than Cruz. He's running on his record of bipartisanship in Congress and his work on major legislation like the Infrastructure Bill and the CHIPS Act. Those are issues that Ted Cruz has also voted against, but you have to have leaders who are willing to do it, who are willing to put in that hard work of finding common ground. We need to change this broken system that we're living in. Roland Gutierrez rose to national prominence out of tragedy. After representing the families of Uvalde in the Texas Senate, his staple issues are gun reforms, like universal background checks and raising the age to 21 for purchasing semi-automatic rifles. As the next senator from the, of the United States in Texas, uh, we're going to talk about that because there is no bigger issue. If you don't have your child, the economy, all those other things, they just don't matter. When Sherman goes to Washington, everyone will go to Washington. Carl Sherman, running on his credentials as a state representative and former mayor, arguing his East Texas roots connect him to the struggles of rural Texas. I want a Texas that is inclusive of all Texans, where everyone from the farmers to the ranchers uh, to those who work in our suburbs and cities have a seat at the table. These three leading a field of more than a dozen Democratic candidates. They'll face off in a primary on March 5th. Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. Allred leads the way when it comes to fundraising among Democrats. Meanwhile, Senator Ted Cruz has also posted big fundraising numbers. Cruz raised $5.4 million in the last three months. Remember, in 2018, he narrowly survived a challenge by Beto O'Rourke, winning by just 2.6 points. We want to go more in-depth into the primary outlook. Joining us now is KXAN Live anchor and multimedia reporter Will Dupree. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. All right, so political experts are anticipating how other factors may play into the Texas primaries. One of those is who Republicans here will choose for the presidential nomination. How is that shaping up? We cannot forget that context when it comes to these primaries because voters will not only be deciding some of these lower ticket races, but of course, who will be the Republican nominee for president. And again, Texas voters will be deciding on that. So uh, you have to connect former President Donald Trump with Attorney General Ken Paxton. They are close allies. And with former President Trump leading in the polls here in Texas, that could in turn benefit some of these candidates that Attorney General Paxton is supporting. Very well, Donald Trump may support them too. So that will be a big factor that a lot of these political observers are watching come next year. 
Yeah, you've really been looking into the impact that Ken Paxton is hoping to have on the primary. He's been backing candidates running against House members who voted for his impeachment. So what have you been hearing from candidates? More than a dozen people now have that stamp of approval by Ken Paxton, and they are all facing people who voted for his impeachment in the House, and they are all Republicans. Now, reaching out to some of these House members who are indeed launching their re-election campaigns, it's a little bit hard to nail them down sometimes to talk about at least the primary right now. Uh, but I did talk to Abraham George, who is going to face off against State Representative Candy Noble in the Republican primary. You know, he said that he's very happy that Ken Paxton endorsed him, but it was not the only factor that he believes will benefit him in the long run. He says that, you know, voters in the grassroots there in Collin County in that area are unhappy with the leadership and the direction and some of the decisions being made by some of these Republican incumbents. And he thinks that will factor a lot into it. He also thinks that, you know, that Paxton endorsement will help boost him too. So talking a lot about Republicans, but we're also looking at some Democrats too, that there could be a shakeup depending on how things go. Sean Theory in Houston, one that come to mind. Yeah, we've been following that race for a while because of her vote on that transgender health care law. A lot of Democrats in her area are unhappy about that. She even was censured by a Democratic club in her district. However, she has been in that seat since uh, 2017. So she served numerous uh, terms there. Some people point to her record and are happy with the job that she's done. We'll just have to see again what happens next year. Yeah, and a lot can happen before March. And that is very true. <laughs> All right, thank you very much, Will. From the pageant stage to the political arena. Speaking out as Miss Texas was actually probably one of the boldest things I've ever done. It was a little scary. Meet the member of Gen Z campaigning to become the first in her generation to serve in the Texas House of Representatives. Last year's Miss Texas made waves by being outspoken on issues like abortion, gun violence, and immigration. Now, after ending her reign, she's looking to make her mark in politics. Avery Bishop filed to run for Texas House District 112. As Capitol correspondent Monica Madden shows us, she's looking to face a longtime incumbent in a competitive Dallas area district. From pageants to politics. Avery Bishop for House District 112. I met Avery Bishop at her alma mater, you ready? where we happened to meet two of her fans. Can I take a picture with you? The McKinney native says it happens a lot, especially since she has about a million followers combined across social media. But we have to meet people where they are. That's one way she's hoping to tap into younger voters. This is a day in the life of a 26-year-old running for public office in Texas. Because if elected, she'd be the first Gen Z representative at the state capitol. And I'm pulling back the curtain so that they can see exactly what that process looks like. Bishop broke the mold, not just as the first Asian American crowned Miss Texas, but also by breaking tradition using her position to speak out on policy. Speaking out as Miss Texas was actually probably one of the boldest things I've ever done. It was a little scary. Her decision to run as a Democrat largely sparked by conservative social policies, like the new law banning DEI programs in higher ed. And if it weren't for my diversity and inclusion program at SMU or in undergrad, I honestly don't think I would have gone on to law school and run for office. To win the seat, she'll have to beat the longtime incumbent, Republican Representative Angie Chen Button. Representation doesn't just stop when I see someone who looks like me. I want to see someone who stands for the same things that I do. Being a rep 
It's not a glamorous job. It's a hard job. Serving in the House since 2009, Button is a veteran of tough races. She won by a slim margin in 2020. And I have been tested again, again. And is emphasizing her experience when it comes to the potential November 2024 matchup. I am one of the three woman chairs of the Texas House. And with that kind of experience, influence, and the connection, I am able to pass good, reasonable bills. Button will be reminding her business-friendly district of her accolades and contrasting herself from Bishop. I love to see people get involved, but you gotta have the knowledge and the skill and the relationship to make real things happen. A competitive district with the likely face-off between two women who have smashed their own glass ceilings. Monica Madden, State of Texas. You heard Monica mention that if elected, Bishop would be the first member of Generation Z to serve in the Texas legislature. The Pew Research Center defines Gen Z as people born from 1997 onward. Going in depth, there are currently 73 Gen Z legislators serving in state capitals across the country. And there's one serving on Capitol Hill. 26-year-old Democrat Maxwell Frost is the first Gen Z member of Congress. Frost took office earlier this year. He represents a district in Central Florida. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.